This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. It is a quiet time, but it's out loud, and it's not quiet. <laughs> we are Rochelle and Carter. That was the heart of the was title of this. Yes. That was so nice. Can I talk about a brat? Well. I'm being a brat. I, you're being a brat? Uh, we're all brats, by the way. Okay, don't do that. Well, no, no, I'm... I'm was thinking about this the other day. Somebody listening is offended right now. Well, we should be offended about our own brattiness. Okay. All right. Here we go. I don't endorse this. (laughs) Let's just say, I I was watching this movie that actually you recommended. It was years ago. You watched this movie called The Remaining. Do you remember that? That was the Christian horror movie about the rapture. Yes. And I, I thought it was one of the most original takes. Can I just say this? Yes. By the way, nobody's in it that you know, or at least knew then. I don't know if somebody's come out of it now. I don't think so. But um, no, I think that one girl was in that uh, Kiefer Sutherland show, Stop. Designated Survivor. Anyway, okay. It was a very interesting take on people not, their bodies not floating up in the air. It was that people's eyes glazed over and they just fell down. They just fell over dead because their souls were taken. And so it was like very interesting that the world, because yeah. it's like, how's the world not going to know that Jesus is real if we all start floating in the air? Oh, they just think everybody passed away. It was just an original, interesting take. It was very convenient that there was a girl in the main cast whose parents were Christians. Uh-huh. And she was like, oh, this, I know what this is. Yeah. This yeah, is the yeah, rapture. Yeah. This is the end of days. Yeah. Look at what it says here in Revelation and it's yeah. being shared. But it was interesting, like in this movie, and <laughs> this is a Hollywood take on it. And it was interesting. Uh, we're not saying it's biblically sound at all, but um, they're presented with absolute truth. <laughs> like it's the end of days. Jesus was the way you've made the wrong choice. Yeah. Yeah. You could still decide according to revelation and according to the way that they're playing it out. You can still say yes to Jesus even though it's past post-rapture, I should say. Uh-huh. Post-rapture, post being taken out of the chaos. But you could still be one of those who remain that is going to say, no, I will not turn and serve this antichrist person. I am going to serve the one true God. So they're presented with the truth and there are still these people, they're just brats. I'm still not going to say yes now because I don't want to. Yeah. You're mean God. Mean. Yeah. Eh. (laughs) I have acted like that in my life with other things. Have you ever like gotten into an argument with somebody and you were so frustrated because you just knew, you knew that your information was solid about whatever it was. Let's say, let's talk about an actor in a film. I know it was Kiefer Sutherland in that role. Mm -hmm. And the other person, no, it was Kevin Bacon. I promise you. Well, now we live in the day of, you know, internet on your phone. Yeah, you can look it right up. There it is. And you got the information. But whenever you get caught, you realize that the other person was right. Oh. And you either humble yourself and say. I was wrong. Or. Or. (laughs) Well, you didn't say it. You didn't say the name of the movie right. You, You made me think you were talking about this one. I was. You were talking about your face is dumb. Yeah. And then you just walk away. <laughs> I realized, but I realized that that is, that is so much of the time, the history of man. They have, what is it? In, 
controvertible truth. Is that the right word? Big word. It's truth you can't go back on. It's evidence. It's right there staring Mm -hmm. you in the face. And it's still not going to be enough for Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And I'm reading... I'm reading in the book of John and even sometimes the way that Jesus talks, people would say, it sounds like he's talking of riddles, puzzles. He's not giving us everything all at once, but he does share in scripture that if I put a bunch of new wine in old wineskins, it's going to rupture the wineskin. Why? Because, well, the new stuff's got bubbles in it. The new stuff is just going to burst it. You can't do that. And he's giving this truth. It is not, it's not brand new. It's just a refreshing of understanding, a knowledge that God had been trying to pass along to his people all throughout the years, but they have misunderstood all this time. And he's trying to give it to them, but they're so hardened with what their belief system is that they can't handle too much new wine all at once, right? Because they're going to burst. So you get these little, puzzle pieces that he lays down and he's trying to give it in doses, even the people closest to him in three years of ministry, he doesn't just rush it all into them, you know, and they're still not 100% there, even up to his death. They're still going like, what do you mean you're leaving? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) I've been telling you this whole time. I'm not going to be with you forever. But uh, so I just, I thought that was interesting that I'm, I'm reading in the book of Daniel right now, um, the brattiness of a king. We've just read about Nebuchadnezzar in the first several chapters. We know that Nebuchadnezzar is the top dog. He's the guy who's over all the countries now. He's taken over certainly um, Judah and Israel. And a lot of folk have been exiled into this country. So the long story short, you may remember the story of uh, Daniel, his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those are their um, new Babylonian names. And Belteshazzar is Daniel's new Babylonian name, which it's so much easier to say Daniel, so we're just going to call him Daniel. And uh, they become Nebi's, Nebuchadnezzar's favorites real quick. And because they are the ones that decide, we're going to stay aligned with what God wants us to do, no matter what anybody else says. They're saved from the fiery furnace, all this incredible accounts. God saves them miracle after miracle. And Nebuchadnezzar even has this incredible experience where he becomes as an animal because of his pride. Yeah. It kicks him off the throne for seven years. And then in the midst of like, you know, <laughs> eating grass with the rest of the cattle out. And I mean, it's like he's exposed to all the elements. It says out in the dew with the rest of the animals, you will have an animal's mind. Because he's out here bragging about, look at the kingdom I've created. And God's like, no, you know what? I warned you about this. In a dream, Daniel told you this was going to happen. You did not repent. You're going to be an animal for seven years. And he was. Until he came to and he he asked God, please forgive me. And then he came back and had this, it seems like a miraculous redemption story, right? Well, then it goes on in scripture and it talks about his son, Belshazzar. Now, There's something for anybody who's kind of a Bible nerd and into um, the apologetics and defending your faith. This is one that kind of stumps people. And this will be a story that uh, they will try to exclude the book of Daniel from being a truth story. No, because that doesn't line up with the lineage and 
Belshazzar was not the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and he wasn't. It says in scripture that he was. So for a long time, people discounted Daniel's testimony. It's interesting though, I looked it up. They found in an archeological dig back in the 1800s, this scroll, this information that linked Belshazzar to another dude who succeeded Nebuchadnezzar, not in a good way. Like Nebi's son was basically, I think he was killed. There was this, I don't know. People are like, we don't like this king after Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody's as good as Nebuchadnezzar. They killed the guy. And then I think they killed his, the next guy. And then one of those guys got commissioned as king. All right, you were on the, the commission to kill that guy. Why don't you be the king? Okay, I'll be the king. Mm, yeah. And it was that guy's son, Belshazzar. So that's, a lot of people are like, well, that doesn't make any sense because the scripture says, and we've said this on podcasts before, give it a minute. <laughs> yeah. Because scripture will always be tested and it will come out true. And we've seen it time and time again. Well, that culture didn't exist. That civilization wasn't a thing. And then they unearth it right. so many yeah. years later and you, it, you find the connections there. But they have unearthed connections and they've made it so. But the story I want to get to is Belshazzar because he's kind of a brat. And it's just, it stands out to me. He has seen the miracles of Daniel's God. At least he's heard the stories. He knows that Nebuchadnezzar dealt with hard times. His own father dealt with some illness as well. He knows what God can do. And yet he's having a party. He's living it up big. And he specifically asks for not any other culture's silver and golden goods. He asks specifically for the temple like the Jewish people's temple, their sacred objects so that he can drink wine out of their golden goblets and things like that. They were meant to worship the true and living God. Right. I just find that snarky, yeah, bratty, in your face, God of the Jewish people. Like just, just. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you may or may not know the rest of the story, but he gets creeped out big time. There's like this disembodied hand it looks like a human hand. It's writing on the wall. Nobody has any idea what it says. Daniel's brought in. He translates it. Basically says, guy, you're, you've been found wanting. You are not a good guy. And your kingdom is going to be divided between the Medes and the Persians. And that very night, it says in the scripture, he dies. <laughs> so it's it's a very quick ending. Well, of course, that hand later makes an appearance in the Adams family. <laughs> uh, so, wow. well, I think it's interesting. I think it, because, you know, you talked about apologetics and, and evidence. Yes. And then you actually, you talk about, uh, why am I calling Belshazzar? But what's his name? Belshazzar. Belshazzar. I have that right. Yeah. And, um, he's not the actual son of Nebuchadnezzar. Right. Even the scripture says it reads it that way. But I think the translation over time, it, I believe, and I would have to go back and look at this. When a king is filling in for another king, like they can refer to the lineage before them as father That's or somehow related yeah. to them. Well, I just, I just mean to say that from our side of it, of archeological and, you know, doubt and all, all yeah. uh, but also with him specifically in his story, yeah. belief is the issue. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so he's not believing what he should have good reason to believe. He's choosing to not believe. And I, I think it's, I think it's interesting because, Everybody has to have faith. We talked about a little bit about this before. 
everybody has to have faith in something because nobody knows, like, like I'm talking about from a, a firsthand perspective, mm-hmm. what comes after this life. Atheists don't know. I mean, nobody knows. Uh, not from living it, not from knowing 100% with your own eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, what I've, the definition I, I, I've heard that I love, this is from uh, William Lane Craig. He's, I mean, brilliant guy. Uh, faith, because a lot of people talk about blind faith and, you know, you believe on something you have no idea. No, faith is believing something you have good reason to believe is true. Mm-hmm. And so I liken all of this with a, a court case where if you have the Christian and the atheist in a uh, the jury mm-hmm. and we see the evidence presented, but there's no video evidence. Mm-hmm. This wasn't this crime wasn't recorded on camera, but we have fingerprints. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, blood or whatever we have. Then we all go back to the jury room, and I sit here and I go, well, there's there's this reason and there's this reason and there's this reason and there's this reason and there's this reason. All these pieces of, pieces of evidence mm. point to that this guy did it. Now, I wasn't there, mm-hmm. and nobody in the room was there. And what I think you have nowadays are a lot of skeptics saying, well, those fingerprints could have been anybody's. Mm-hmm. The, because in this case, in this case, in this case, those fingerprints turned out to be false. And also, you you, re, you really don't know about the, the blood. See, I know, I, I read this blog on the internet, and I, I know that, that blood it can sometimes actually cohese into a, a situation where it's not actually his blood. And, and you, you all of a sudden kind of step back because they sound smart. And, and many of them are, obviously. And you go, you have a heart issue. You're really coming up with reasons to not believe, mm-hmm. I think, for a reason. Because neither one of us were there. And I have good reason to believe it's true based on the evidence. Yeah. And you're coming up with exceptions of evidence to make sure we don't have to believe. It's going back to the old wineskin thing. The old wineskin is hardened. It's not flexible. Mm, yeah. And so we yeah. want to have things fit in our box because we've assumed it to be, it's going to look this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus came, they assumed they were going to have this warrior king because it felt like the scriptures pointed to it's going to overwhelm all the other empires will be under his feet. But if you look at history, there's always another empire that comes along and trumps the other over and over and over and over again. What is the one thing though that has lasted throughout all of the ages? It is the controversy of people's belief systems. And this is where Jesus, I mean, we even see it in the dreams of Daniel. There's this authority at the top of the food chain. Nebuchadnezzar is the representation of the statue I think he's meant to be the golden part. And then there will be a lesser kingdom after you. Strong, but not as strong. And then so on and so forth until you get to the bottom. The bottom is mixed with clay and iron. And this kingdom is just all over the place. And some people say, well, I I think this kingdom was supposed to represent, you know, and they'll specify Rome different things in history. America or, yeah, it could yeah. just be a symbol of the fact that we are all over the place when it comes to the most important thing in our life. Mm our foundation, our belief system. And so even in the book of Daniel, it later reveals um, Jesus calls himself son of man all throughout his ministry. That is what Daniel refers to as the Messiah. That's how he calls the Messiah, the son of man. And the fact that Jesus keeps relating to that over and over and over again, it's very specific. 
And so the leaders, the Pharisees of the time, they knew that language. They knew it from the prophet Daniel. They knew what Jesus was basically saying. And when there's this representation of a beast in Daniel's vision, it, it it's almost as if when Jesus is right there in front of his accusers and it's the courtroom scene where Caiaphas, this high priest, has the option of either, you know, taking Jesus to court with Pilate and ultimately having him crucified or saving him, even though their, their plight is to obviously have Jesus killed from the very beginning. There is no trial here. It's really just, they're, they're hanging him out to dry. But Jesus uses the language of Daniel and quotes back the passage that basically says, if you read it interpretively this way, um, I've heard it suggested Jesus is calling Caiaphas this beast. Hmm. And a lot of people think it's referring to something else, but he's the, the real problem is um, maybe infrastructure is the right word of our faith. The real problem is we are going to be our own worst enemy because we, we keep looking for something else. We keep looking for something that's going to deliver us from very real physical things around us, but not eternal things. Mm. The biggest thing in this life is to, is to grab hold of what is eternal, what is forever. And Jesus is the invitation to that place in God. And uh, so that's why the lame man was broken and Jesus heals him of his sin first. Why? Because that was the most important healing that needed to take place in his life. Not, not the ability to walk. Sure. And so to the Pharisees, he says, is it you know easier for me to forgive sins or to tell him to take up his bed and walk? And he does both because he had the power to do both. But yeah, we, we, we are so limited in our vision and our scope. And so we can only see the Messiah has to fit this box. And so, so many people miss it. Well, what about today? And it makes me go, what am I missing maybe today, Lord? that you're trying to show me and it doesn't fit into my box of what I have associated. This is what I've gleaned from scripture and it has to look a certain way. We get stubborn, we get rigid. I want to be a flexible new wineskin as you continue to pour your new wine into me that I can receive that I won't burst if there's something that might even feel a little quote outside the box. I think it's hard because there are a lot of people saying what you're saying yeah, and meaning I have new secret revelation. Yeah, no. And it's really weird. It has to align with God's word. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And, and everything Jesus said did. Yeah, right. So yeah. It, yeah. It, it just, it it did, but it made them, they had to seek yeah. him out. And, that, and that's the thing. I think they should have, it's one of those things, they should have seen it the whole time. And so now with our human limitation, all that, you know, they, they wouldn't have, but, but I think when somebody brings a truth to us, and we can look back at the Bible and go, oh, mm. so many things make sense because this and that. And when you have, well, I mean, I'll give you an example. You know, there's that old question about, well, just don't be lukewarm. God, God would love you more if you were if you were uh, hot and against him, you know, rather than, or, or excuse me, <laughs> yeah. cold and against him. Yeah. You need to be on fire for God. Just don't be lukewarm. Just, you know what? Just be a flat out atheist instead of being lukewarm. It's a lot of fear and all that language, but, isn't there? Well, it feels, well, it feels like well, when you get a proper interpretation of that, mm -hmm. of that, what the, the analogy likely is, is that in that uh, setting, what he's saying is both hot and cold mm -hmm. are good things. Mm -hmm. Like you'd have coffee, 
or you'd have iced coffee, but you don't want room temperature coffee. He's just simply saying, he's not saying that hot is uh, good and cold is bad. He's saying both are good in the analogy. And what the, uh, the lesson is there is don't become tepid. Yeah. Don't let your environment make you look more like the world than God's child. Yeah, that's really and, good. And so when you go, oh, see, I can take that on and it makes sense with the rest of scripture and blah, blah, blah. See, I learned that just a year ago and I grew up in church, right? Yeah. And so we should be able to learn new things. Uh, but as long as is, I think you step back and you go, oh, that makes a lot more sense with the rest of scripture now. Yes. Kind of going back also to the conversation we had earlier about the rapture movie. I like scary movies. I, I Please don't fault me about that. I've always liked a good jump scare. Um, and I, <laughs> I measure those out so that I'm not like... <laughs> Watching too many of them all at once. Uh, you know, a lean diet of that is all right. A lean, a lean scary diet. diet, yes. But the rapture movies um, can't put the fear of God in you. Uh-huh, and, yeah. and I think God would even might, he might contest that and say, don't put me into this. <laughs> because sometimes, you know, Jesus, yes, he stated truth. He always stated truth and love, right? And he came and built a bridge so that we could have a relationship with God. And that's the desire from the beginning of time God has wanted a relationship with us. And so there have been moments where in my lifetime as a believer in Christ, there has been fear attached to, oh, I better I better do something a certain way. I better not be hot or be cold or I'll get spit out or I'm going to do something that's going to somehow disconnect me from, from what I know to be true mm -hmm. in grace and in Jesus. And there's a caution in my heart about I, I want to be leery of ever presenting Jesus in a package that scares people into relationship with him. Sure. I want them to, like, if I met my husband, who I absolutely love, but I met him under terrifying circumstances, and it's like, you got to marry this guy, or you're not going to ever have, you know, your children and your life's going to be screwed up and all that. I mean, you know, it, this, wait, what? Yeah. That's not how you build on a relationship. It, I want people to fall in love with this Jesus to recognize, do you realize that your freedom, that the peace, that everything you've ever wanted in this world, when you close your eyes because you don't think you can handle it anymore, sure, is sure. wrapped up in the pure package of Jesus Christ right there in the person of who he was and is and wants to be in your life. That is such a sweeter connection point for people than scaring them into something. You know what I mean? Well, I... I hope I don't offend anybody uh, because I, you may be listening to this going, hey, I, I've been involved with these for years. But when I was in middle school, we would go to the, our youth group would, you know, every year at Halloween, go to one of those judgment houses. Okay. You yeah. Ever, you ever yeah. been through one of those? Yes. You know, and you go and there's a car accident or whatever. And the I actors saw are when in the lights room. were all on. I like got the tour when nobody was in it. That's so a it lot was probably safer. not yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, ours was you, you, you tour it and there's actors in every room. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's obviously in the theme of Halloween, but it's the Christian version. Right. And, it, and it's a very sobering thought. Uh, the car wreck happens. And then there's a couple people that uh, you're in the next room and they're now dressed in white and they're standing before God. Mm -hmm. And uh, he tells uh, one person, you know, uh, job well done, faithful yeah. child, come yeah. on in. And he goes, and we don't see him, you know, and then, and then he goes, and you, you really,
really screwed up or yeah. however, however God said it in the judgment okay. house. And then we follow this person in, into hell. And, and then you have actors that are like screaming in pain and doing all, and it's yeah. like it's hor- horrifying, it's you know? Yeah. And it's like, okay. I mean, there's a part of that that's like, yeah. It, yeah. You make a good, choice, right? It's, it's good to have a, a sobering realization, but, but is that going to get somebody to have a faith-filled walk? You don't want to be scared of of the person that you love. Well, you not only that, <laughs> not of, terrified. Yeah. Well, not only that, but healthy fear, healthy respect. Well, not only that, but I think does it push you more into just a okay? What do I have to do? Yeah, I'll say this prayer. Okay, I'll just repeat after you. And now I'm good, and, that, and then all of a sudden you have this false sense of salvation. Mm. Well, I repeated the prayer. Yeah, that doesn't do it. Yeah. There's no magic words. And that's why I'm a little iffy on the salvation prayer, yeah, right? Because if you mean it, you mean it. But but it I think it brings a lot of people into, okay, repeat after me. And and then they do. And then they go on living their life, yeah. doing whatever one they want to do. And and somebody goes, You ever go to church? Well, you know, I said the prayer, you know, back then, I'm good. And they don't ever think about it again. And there's yeah. this false sense that's not authentic. And so does a judgment house or a movie, you know, the movies, the movie, whatever it is, sure. it, 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 it's just, that was for entertainment. Right. But, um, but does it really bring people into authentic obedience, uh, repentance into a faithful relationship with Christ? I'm not saying it hasn't, It could. I'm just saying, would it be the best strategy? I, it, it didn't seem to be God's strategy. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, of course he, Spoke truth, but he spoke truth, yeah. but he also, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Yeah. And whoever believes in him will not die. Yeah. Now he says that he did not come into the world to condemn the world. This is the following verse, but that the world through him will be saved. And the following verse after that, though, does put it out there. Sure. Yeah. It says, now if you choose not to, then yes. Right. Right. You're not coming on board to, um, the Heaven Express. That's the The word. Heaven <laughs> Express. That's the name of this episode. That's the word. That's the name the of Heaven this. No, no, it's too late. That's the name of this episode. <laughs> you, because I'm sure now, now, because you already clicked on it. Now you're like, what is the Heaven Express? Oh, That's how we got to the this title. The conductor is Jesus, and Tom Hanks <laughs> plays him in the next movie. All aboard, please, all aboard. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I have a thing about forgiveness that I'm going to share next week because I can't go after the Heaven Express. I'm sorry, I'm upset. Oh, it was an awesome conversation, but I'm ashamed at the name. 